The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Wanted to start with this because I, boy, oh boy. It's just mind-boggling. I know it's mind-boggling to a lot of you because you've been telling me about it on the text lines over the past number of weeks. Next Friday, next Friday will mark two years since the federal government last tabled a budget. Two years, my friends. That is the longest gap between federal budgets in Canadian history. There are reports that Ottawa has ruled out a budget this month or in April. Uh, The Prime Minister saying when he's asked, one is coming soon. What is soon? That's the big question. Many are wondering if an election will follow closely behind. Well, our next guest is a familiar voice to you on the Chorus Radio Network as host of Money Talks. Michael Campbell, welcome back to the show. My pleasure. All right. Two years. Two years (laughs) since, (laughs) since a budget, Michael. What the heck? I mean, you must be sitting there just stewing about this like so many others are. Well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, the government hasn't welcomed scrutiny of their spending. I mean, right from the get-go, we got a fiscal update in, uh, it was July of last year, and that was after a lot of prodding, saying, okay, where do you think we're at at this point? Then we waited a huge amount of time, right into November, for the next kind of update. And meanwhile, I think virtually every jurisdiction in the Western world has delivered budgets. Uh, the thing that concerned me most in this kind of theme is that I had a chat with the Parliamentary Budget Officer, Yishol, and they used to get weekly updates on spending. Well, once Parliament was prorogued in August, they stopped getting any updates. And I talked to them, the last time I talked to them was uh, November, but, uh, you know, they weren't getting any updates. So there was no one, period, who knew what was getting spent, how much had been spent. Uh, and I think that is uh, troublesome. I mean, the more scrutiny, I think, of any of these things, doesn't matter what party's in power, the better it is for the public. If we're looking at the public's best interests, then we want to know what's going on. And there's not, you know, this baloney about, oh, we can't do it because there's a pandemic. Look, everyone would have understand if you released some numbers and said, you know what, this is subject to change, obviously, as every business has done. No business said, you know what, no annual reports for two years. Oh, well, that's called jail. You know, so it's a publicly <laughs> company. You know, so everyone else has been able to do it. I think this is just simply the federal government doesn't want to do it. They don't welcome the scrutiny on any file as far as I can see. I'm, I'm open uh, to be informed on that. But when I see, you know, this, uh, reluctance for question period, for example, reluctance to release these kinds of uh, this kind of data, I can only assume, and I think it's a safe assumption, they don't like the scrutiny. They don't like the scrutiny. I, I, I mean, that just seems, um, you know, asinine. I mean, they, they, they are in, uh, well, you know, minority uh, government, but, uh, you know, uh, if they're the ones at the helm of this ship and, and, and helping steering it through this pandemic and they are they are putting all of the excuses on the fact that they can't do it because we're focusing on the pandemic and that is the number one priority, all of us want to know where we sit. If we have a budget approaching, what, $400 billion or possibly more, you're right, Michael. If they were to put something out and say, okay, this is what it looks like, this is what it looks like, we know the numbers could change. That would go a very long way, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, we just got an example. We have the Bank of Canada today say, yeah, we had a forecast back at the end of December, and that forecast isn't holding. We're changing it. It's more positive than we thought it mm-hmm. was just a couple of months ago. I don't see anybody jumping up and down over the Bank of Canada over this you know saying okay yeah. hey, you had to adjust we see it oil prices are 
you know, in the 60s, that's very positive. Our exports into the States are, are much better, uh, you know, up about 8%. You know, consumer goods are up, all of those things. Nobody is sitting there saying, why didn't you know that? You know, uh-huh. uh, so I, I just think that the two things that really don't... Uh, hold well for me i'm trying to think of polite ways to saying this because there's other language to be used elsewhere but because it is it is bs to say that uh, we've got other things going on well they've got a whole finance department for goodness sakes no really what are they doing like i do wonder about those kinds of things like come on you're paying a lot of money in the finance market what the heck are they doing uh you go further than that and say uh you know again it's possible to come out with numbers if the bank of canada can uh Certainly the government can. If the provincial governments, I mean, Alberta's just had, you know, the budget, uh, certainly everyone else can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been wondering about this today, Michael. If there is a budget, let's say in the next couple of Mm -hmm. months, we have heard word that it's not going to happen this month, it's not going to happen in uh, April, but he keeps saying, and the Prime Minister keeps saying that it's coming soon, whatever that means. If by chance it forces an election, or if an election Mm -hmm. is called... Uh, quickly afterwards, then then we're waiting again, aren't we, to, to find out kind of really yeah. more, more details. So, yeah, you know, let's explore that a little bit. What does that mean for Canadians? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, we're talking about a minority government, but they're a minority government when they've got the three major opposition parties or four, not wanting an election. That's very clear. Yes. They don't want an election at this point. And there's a lot of, you know, that's a whole other debate about whether we should have one. I mean, I personally would think that people are so focused on the pandemic. There's so many important issues that would not get fully discussed. There was a provincial election in BC It result, in October, right in the second wave hit. It was completely self-serving by the NDP government because they were ahead in the polls. They weren't getting pressure from uh, the two opposition parties, the Green and the Liberal. And so they did get their majority. But at the same time, they got the lowest voter turnout in generations, like literally, Mm -hmm. until 1929, I think. That's not democracy. Uh, I can't remember a single topic really being discussed because people are pandemic-focused. Well, on a national level, I mean, there's many things to be talking about, in addition to starting with the kind of where we're going, what we're spending money on, how we're going to, is the economic recovery a priority, which at, at this point we're seeing no signs that putting things in place to have an economic recovery is a priority. Well, I think that's worthy of debate. I think our relationship with China is worthy of a lot of scrutiny. I mean, the list just goes on. And let's yeah, face yeah. it, uh, across the country, the healthcare system had real trouble during the pandemic. Our preparedness was brutal. I mean, that needs uh, debate. I don't think any of that happens in an election, which is probably why they'll call one <laughs> yeah and, and you know it's interesting because you know uh the the um the opposition parties you know they're they're they're, they're well kind what am i trying to say oftentimes what i'm finding right now is that the pandemic is sucking the air out of a lot of conversations right yes. i mean it's very yes. very difficult to to try to hammer on let's say maybe the economy or whatever it is when um i, I think people uh don't necessarily want to see partisanship they 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 look at things going oh, okay well maybe we can put that off for a little bit but i think the conservatives need the conservative 
party need at a federal level needs to do a better job of of hammering um, the Trudeau government and asking questions and also I think that we need to see some direction some ideas uh, maybe a blueprint maybe uh, some suggestions on what they would do we know that they have their convention their virtual convention coming up next week hopefully we'll find out some more but I really think that there's maybe a, a little bit of a lost opportunity here for Aaron O'Toole and uh, and the Conservatives. I, I think there is in a number of areas, and one would be, I mean, what's clear, and you go back to proroguing Parliament, then you go into the throne speech. The throne speech clearly didn't uh, identify the economic recovery as a priority. Other things, I mean, and that's fair game in a political system. People can say, mm. one party can say, this is my priority, another can say this. Uh, I think it's wide open for somebody to step up and say, economic i mean i personally i mean you have to forgive me but uh i've got too much education to think that any of the other problems get solved with a weak economy look this is a horrendous situation we're in in terms of unemployment in terms of the growth in debt the growth we have right now which i'm pleased to see uh, the u.s pick up so their demands picked up for us they've done it on borrowed money and uh, unbelievable amounts of borrowed money we've done it the, the debt situation is going to come home to roost one of my complaints isn't that we helped out businesses and individuals through the pandemic, which I was fully supporting, but talking about that before they even institute the yeah. first little program. said you can't lock down the economy and not help these people out. So it's not that. But I think uh, I don't sense there's any uh, sense of urgency about the size of the mm. deficit. And it's, by the way, it's not just a Canadian issue. The real thing I think a lot, is, a lot of people are missing, this is in a global credit context of $271 trillion in debt. I personally believe any problems with our deficit is going to start in the financial markets, but probably not the problem, uh, immediate problem in Canada. For example, the subprime mortgage crisis was not a Canadian crisis. It started in the U.S. and we lost 400,000 jobs. I see problems in the uh, emerging market, credit markets, you know, they're borrowing, coming into Europe, coming into the banking system, all of that kind of stuff. That's what worries me. And, you know, sorry, one other thing, I know I'm, are you impressed, no. by the way, that I don't even breathe when I talk? I mean, this is really something. It's like a fish. They can call me the economic fish. But just think about this, though. First of all, just the pickup. There's a real message here. In the pickup of economic activity in January, February, the Bank of Canada didn't predict it. Clearly, right? Who predicted it? Well, how can they then predict and tell me how the, uh, the whole overall debt situation is going? Because it's going to rely on what kind of economic performance we have, what happens in the credit markets. And I'll give you another example. You go back just the beginning of January. Well, the five-year Government of Canada bond, you can get under 4.4 of a percent. Under, it was 0.39 of a percent. Well, it's over twice that today. You know, go back to August, the 10-year Government bond. This is what they're borrowing money on. You know, they're going out in the market and saying we need to borrow the money. The 10-year rate was 0.46 beginning of August. Well, it's up about three times that right now. They didn't predict that. That means a significant mo amount more in debt payments. And all, all I was complaining about was, you know, we should understand that there are huge risks with taking on that level of debt. That, to me, would create a compelling argument to being very uh, scrupulous about how you take more debt on, whether you take more debt on, where you're going to direct it. I don't see much of that conversation whatsoever.
Michael Campbell joining me this afternoon, the host of Money Talks on the Chorus Radio Network. We've been chatting about uh, the fact that coming up you know, next Friday will be two years since uh, the Trudeau Liberals have tabled uh, a budget, and we're still waiting on that. We're not going to, we don't know when we're going to see another one. Um, so exploring that, and, and Michael touched on it before the break, talking about, uh, you know, the world economy, although, you know, throughout that number of $270 trillion, wow. Uh, today, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development um, said that, uh, you know, the world economy is bouncing back from the pandemic crisis faster than expected, um, in part because of successful vaccines, the U.S. stimulus uh, efforts. But as Michael mentioned, um, you know, joblessness remains a, a huge concern. I mean, if you're looking in your crystal ball uh, right now, Michael, and taking a look, I mean, we can we can see that they're talking that uh, they're 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 going to they're they're projecting more GDP growth this year than first anticipated. But if you're looking six months a year from now, what do, what does it look like in North America to you? Yeah, they're, they're predicting better growth because it's coming out of the U.S., which benefits yeah. Canada, Mexico, the most, the rest of the world. China's already recovered. They're, they're, yeah. they're well above pre-pandemic. So when I look out, I think it's going to be obvious we're going to get a huge and tremendous bounce when we can start lifting restrictions. And there's so much yeah. pent-up demand. Uh, you know, we know our savings rate's way up there because we haven't had as much to spend money on. So, uh, you know, I look at the states, for example, that stimulus package comes at a time when Texas is opening, Alabama's opening, Connecticut says they're open March 19th, California says the majority open by the end of the month. They're going to have a huge boom, which helps us, but we're going to do the same whenever we get enough vaccinations out there. I I mean, it's just going to be spectacular. That wasn't the problem. The problem is exactly as you put it. Well, what about a year from now? When that sort of initial initial blush, we've all been able to travel somewhere if we're lucky enough again. You know, that kind of thing. We've been going to restaurants again, live theater again, that kind of stuff. So we're going to get that initial push. But after that, it really comes down to, uh, and keep in mind, a lot of that pushes the savings, can't spend as much money now, but it's also borrowed money. And if that borrowed money didn't go into productive assets, it's not going to have a lingering effect. Very much like if I give you $10 million, you go out and have a heck of a good time. But there's still no, uh, you know, uh, push on into other years unless you bought plant and equipment or something, you know. Uh, And I think that's the challenge. And that's why the thing that kills me is people are worried about health care. I get it. People are worried about education. They're worried about all sorts of things. All of that comes from a strength in the economy. Jobs, I'm absolutely with you. I mean, we know who's been hurt. There's no one doubting who's been hurt in this pandemic who's still being hurt. Well, that's where I think we should be focusing on. But again, Nothing happens without a strong economy, and I think that's where the focus has to be and have to evaluate. Uh, Number one thing I'd evaluate our political parties on is what program do they have in place to attract capital investment? We have had a pathetic record of capital investment, which is like you don't get new jobs if I don't sort of expand my restaurant or I don't put into a new machine and grow my company. That's all about attracting capital. So I'm going to look at the various parties and see what do they have in place that will answer that question. Do they attract capital? Because without that, we will be in trouble, and it will start really showing up after that initial boom is over.
Uh, before I let you go, because we're uh, we're almost out of time here, Michael. And and, and first, I, I always love talking to you because it, we can we can talk about so much. And you've been talking about capital investment for a year now. When we first started talking about the economy on this show with you, that is what you've been hammering. Um, you, you touched on you know this boom that we likely will see as restrictions are lifted, mm-hmm. as more people are vaccinated. I've been reading articles about you know kind of the bounce backs after tough times like this, and a lot of people going back to the Great Depression and and what happened after that you know you know people are partying people are spending their money they're going out all of that sort of stuff in years past or in in times past how long does that usually last for have you have you know from from your research what's really different uh, this time though is the government put so much money in people's pockets Ah. we know we have record savings sitting on the sideline we've never had that before you know Mm. we've always had to build up ourselves i mean the government's got challenges but individuals have been given a lot of money so that will certainly filter through immediately, but also last, I think uh, you're looking at a good nine months to a year of that before it's even people sort of started going, okay, I sort of got my f- initial fill. And I think the answer to your question is very much, how many times do you go to a restaurant, uh, various restaurants, before you say, okay, I'm back on my yeah. restaurant thing, or I'm back to seeing mm-hmm. movies, or I'm back to watching the Edmonton Eskimos, or I'm back to watching the Oilers, or I'm back to whatever it is. Once we've got, it's how long it takes for people to feel uh, like I think they're just going to explode out of the gate, you know, when, when we're allowed to. And it's when that explosion ends. But I think we'd look, you know, uh, like a full nine months a year out for that. All right, uh, Michael Campbell, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Appreciate it. My pleasure. I'll take a breath You now. betcha. <laughs> All right. My economic fish, as he's now going to be referred to, the host of Money Talks on the Chorus Radio Network. You can find out more at his website, mikesmoneytalks.ca.